Turn with me to John chapter 18, if you have your Bibles this morning. John chapter 18. We're in the Gospel of John, and uh, we have been now for about a year and a half, and just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we're here in in this text. uh, I left off a couple weeks ago uh, in verse number 26. Uh, We come to the trials of Jesus. Jesus is standing before Pilate. That's the way we read it, but really Pilate is standing before Jesus. Uh, He is being on display, though Pilate, I'm sure, thought that he was actually trying Jesus. And we'll, we'll look into that. Jesus was actually after Pilate's heart. And after the first reading, we, we come to where we see Jesus is in full control. He's not lost control of this situation. Jesus is calling all the shots. Pilate was the most powerful man in Jerusalem. And in that day, and yet uh, he, in a lot of ways, is the weakest man in Jerusalem. Um, I want to read to you, and starting in, in actually verse 28, John 18 and verse 28, Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the house of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered him and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee, Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servant fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from thence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into this world into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom, that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach. I pray that as we examine the text this morning, that we'll examine our hearts, look in deep into our hearts and see what you have for us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said earlier, Pilate was the most powerful man in Jerusalem at this time, but yet probably the most weakest. As we get into the text, we'll see a very weak leader, a politician, if you will, who is controlled by the crowd, controlled by what is popular at the time. And he knew what he should do uh, but he, and what he could do. I mean, Pilate had the power to do whatever he wanted to do, but he didn't have the courage to do it. And the decision to release 
Jesus or to crucify Jesus rested solely upon his shoulders. I want to give you a few things this morning out of our text in John chapter 18 on this, guilty of loving me. Jesus was guilty of loving me. The first thing we come to is the description of Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor over Jerusalem from AD 26 to AD 36. He was ill prepared for his job. He was not trained. Uh, he was not experienced as a governor, a normal governor would be, or a judge. He, had, he was appointed to the position because Tradition says because of who he knew. He was kind of promoted in that sense. Somebody knew him, and so uh, he was a warrior. He was a soldier. Matter of fact, the word Pontius, his name Pontius Pilate, means a warrior of the sea or the beginning of the sea. In other words, he had been fighting. Something maybe he had done at sea, I'm not sure, had caused him to now not be a soldier but now a politician. But a politician in the sense of being crooked, being cruel, being careful, and being calculating. Now tradition also says that after the resurrection of Jesus, Pilate goes out and he uh, loses his mind and he's now, Tiberius takes him and banishes him to Vienna and later Pilate, Pontius Pilate commits suicide around A.D. 41. So there's some things about Pilate that I believe after the crucifixion of Jesus rested in his mind and his conscience. But here's the second thing about Pilate that I want us to see. I want us to see the dilemma of Pilate. He's going to try Jesus. And it becomes a real struggle for him. Look with me in verse number 28 again of John 18. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. This was a Passover time. This is right when Jesus is about to be crucified. And, and look, notice verse 29. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up to thee. Well, that's a strong accusation. Here's a dilemma that, that Pilate is in. He's faced with Jesus, the Christ, and they bring up charges against Jesus. Well, what's the charges that they bring up? Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. I want to show you the charges that they actually accuse him of. There's three different charges, and I want to show you what three different charges they bring up against Jesus, this religious crowd. We see the examination of Jesus. Here's what it says. Look at verse, uh, uh, chapter 23 of Luke, verses 1 and 2. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation. Well, that's an accusation. They were mad that Jesus had been going around Judea, Jerusalem, and all over Israel, and he had been healing the sick, causing the blind to see, preaching the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. He had been preaching the gospel. He had been preaching, and, and thousands upon thousands of people's lives were changed because of this man, yet they call him someone who is perverting the nation. Now here's the second accusation. In verse 2, and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. 
So now they're saying this man is not honoring Caesar. Caesar was king. And anybody that was at that time, uh, you honored Caesar. And so this man was not bowing to the government. He was not bowing to Caesar. And then the third accusation was saying that he himself is Christ a king. Now hold on a second. They said this man not only does not bow to Caesar... But he calls himself a king. I think it's a wonderful thing that we just sung a while ago, Behold our God, and he is king, and we worship him as king. But this crowd right here did not believe that Jesus was king. And so when they said, This man says that he's the king of the Jews, that he is a king, that was almost blasphemous in their eyes. Now, Pilate examines Jesus, and by the way, I believe Pilate did a good job examining Jesus. He asked seven questions. Let's look at those questions. Turn back with me to John chapter 18, uh, and look at the questions that, that Pilate asked Jesus. The first question we find in verse number 33, John 18 verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, here's the question, Are thou the king of the Jews? Or are you the king of the Jews? You claim to be. Is this what you are here saying, that you're the king of the Jews? Look down with me in verse 35. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Or, or what meaning to say, am, am not a Jew? Am I? So am I a Jew? Thine own nation, the chief priests, have delivered thee unto me. And then he asked the third question, what hast thou done? What have you done to deserve this? What have you made these people mad at doing? They're wanting to kill you. What have you done? Here's the fourth question. Look with me in verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Are you a king? Are you really a king or are you lost your mind? Why are you saying this? Here's the fifth question. What is truth? Look at verse 38. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again into the Jews and said to them, I find in him no fault at all. Look at the sixth question. Look, go with me to John 19. Uh, just go to a page over. Look at verse 9. And went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? Or where are you from? Well, where, where are you from? I mean, you are a strange character. I've never had anybody stand in my court and claim to be a king and claim to be this and claim to be that. And, and where, where are you from? Anyhow, I've never... Well, here's the last question. Look at verse 10. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Do you refuse to speak? Why are you not trying to defend yourself? Why are you not trying to get out of dying? Why are you not trying to accuse them of things? Why are you not speaking to me? Now, I want you to keep in mind, Pilate had a responsibility. If he was guilty, he must punish him, meaning Jesus. If he was not guilty, then he must release him. I mean, that's what we would think would be the reason that Pilate would judge him or Pilate would bring him before him. So he has a great responsibility. But he examines Jesus, and then he evades Jesus. He tries to shift the responsibility to others. You don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 23 and verse 7, when he finds out that Jesus is a Galilean, what does he do? He sends him to Herod. Verse 7 says of Luke 23, And as soon as he knew that he would belong unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him unto Herod, and 
who himself also was at Jerusalem at the time. So here's what he did. He said, I don't want him. Herod, he's your boy. You take him. You know what Herod did when he got him? Looked at him and said, no, I ain't had him. Sent him right back to Pilate. Then he tries, in John 18, verse 31, he tried to hand him off to the Jewish leaders. In verse 31, he, uh, uh, in verse 31, if you look in John 18, he said, uh, Then said Pilate unto them, the Jewish leaders, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Boy, that's convenient, isn't it? Oh, we can't put them to death. It's the Passover, and if we put them to death, then we're defiled, and we can't take of the Passover, and, and uh, so this is not our deal. You put them to death, Pilate. Pilate's like, no, I don't want to put them to death. You put them to death, Herod. Herod said, no, I don't want them. Sends them back to Pilate. It's like a hot potato. Nobody wants Jesus. Why? Because he was innocent. He had really not done anything, and everybody's like, this is controversial. We can't really find what he has done. We can just make up stuff. So look at verse 39. But we, ye have a custom, that I should release unto you one of the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. He tried to offer them Barabbas for Jesus. He said, here's a robber, Here, here's someone's a thief, and, and, and so here he is. And they said, no, we, we want Barabbas, let Barabbas go. We want Jesus crucified. So what's he do? Look with me in chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of, a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. They begin to beat him, scourge him, whip him, buffet him, mock him. And here's what Pilate thought in his mind. If I do this and show Jesus in front of the crowd, bloodied and mocked and has a, a, a fake crown of thorns, you know, a, a crown of thorns, a fake crown, and put something on there, they'll laugh and they'll see him bloody and it might suffice the crowd that wants to crucify him, they may see, oh yeah, Pilate, boy, he worked him over. Oh yeah, but no. It made him more bloodthirsty. Crucify him. Pilate's conscience rebelled, but he calmed it by telling himself, this is the lesser of two evils. I'll just smack him around a little bit, pluck his beard out, beat him with our fists, make fun of him. And, you know, it's not killing them. It's certainly not the cross, and that's the worst it can be. And so if I do this a little bit, then Jesus will just go away. That's not how it worked. You know what Pilate's problem was? Pilate tried to remain neutral with Jesus. Can I just say this, church? You cannot remain neutral with Jesus. You can't say, well, I neither love him or hate him. He's just, no, no, no. That's how you end up in eternity in, in, in a damnation. Listen, friend, that is not how it is. Either you love Jesus or you don't love Jesus. Hey, the thing is, you cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and one foot in love with Jesus and one foot in the way. And that's exactly what Pilate wanted. Whatever the crowd said is what I'm going to do. You cannot be neutral. He exonerates Jesus three times. Pilate says, I find no fault in him. 
He said it here in John 18. He says it twice, I believe, in John 19. Pilate feared Jesus. He feared him. And I'll tell you this, even his own wife wrote a letter. Pilate's wife wrote a letter to him and said, Hey, I've been having strange dreams at night. Let that man go. Have nothing to do. And she called him a just man. She said, whatever he's done, you let him go. I can't sleep at night. I cannot take melatonin. I cannot take uh, Ambien or whatever they do. I can't sleep at night. NyQuil won't knock me out. Benadryl won't do nothing to me. I cannot sleep. And when I do sleep, all I do is envision that just man. Don't do anything to him. Let him go. Then the Jews told Pilate that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And guess what? Pilate, I believe, the way it sounds, believed him. Look with me in John 19 and look at verse 6. And you just read this with me. Just look at it. John 19 and verse 6. And when the chief priest, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him. For I, know, I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now notice the response. Look at verse 8. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. He says he's the Son of God. When he said that, Pilate said, Oh, whew. Everything I've heard about this man, everything, ever the way he's responding to me, the way this man's not lashing out, but I can't find any fault in this man. Maybe he is who he says he is. But there's a decision that he had to make. He came to a crossroads. Pilate was at the fork in the road. He had to make a decision. What would he do? Well, he wants to let Jesus go. Does he, does, he, does he crucify him? Then the Jews deliver a knockout blow and a final and fatal shot in verses 12 and 13 of John 19. Look with me there. And from hence, thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. So Pilate had made his mind up. I'm going to release this man because I can't find fault in him. And I've said that three times. And I cannot find, and I believe this man may be the Son of God. But notice, but the Jews cried out saying, now notice here's what they said, if thou let this man go, thou art, not a, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whoever maketh him a king, himself a king, speaketh against Caesar. Now notice the heart change in, in, in Pilate. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. There he decided to crucify him. Look at verse 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. You know what he did? He violated his own conscience. He knew by just reading our text, I believe Pilate had done made his mind up that I'm going to release this man. There is something about this man that's different. There is something about this man that just claims to be something special. And I believe him and I can't find fault in him. There has to be something different about this man, but he violated his own conscience. There's three things about the wrong decision that Pilate made that I believe we can learn from. 
He violated his own conscience. See, God put a conscience in us to warn us. Even folks without God has a conscience. And sometimes that conscience, if they continue to do wrong and continue to do wrong and continue to do wrong and get further and further away from morality and away from uh, God and the voice of God and the Spirit of God, they can have their conscience seared. But God gave us a conscience. And by the way, He gave us a spirit. Those of us that are saved, we have the Spirit of God. And when we're doing something wrong, about to say something wrong, or about to go somewhere we shouldn't, or do something, sometimes that still small voice will, will prod our heart and will say, Oop, I shouldn't do that. But even those that have no Spirit of God in them have a conscience. And listen. Pilate here, not a believer, he, he was struggling, and I believe Jesus was reaching out to him. Pilate violated his own conscience, and we often, like Pilate, violate our own conscience, and in spite of God's warning, we still do wrong. How many times have you thought to yourself, man, I, I just knew that was wrong, but why did I do that? Well, we violated our own conscience. Here's the second thing. He not only violated his own conscience, but he ignored the right thing and done the easy thing. The easy thing for him was to go with what the crowd was saying. The crowd was saying, crucify him. The crowd was saying, hey, if you don't crucify him, you're not a friend to Caesar. And he could have said, hey, I am a friend to Caesar, but I'll tell you one thing, I want my wife to sleep at night. It's making it awful hard at home. And the second thing is, is uh, this man is not innocent, and I'm going to do the right thing. It might not have been the easy thing, but it would have been the right thing. But instead, he chose the easy route. Oh, it's a whole lot easier to do the wrong thing sometimes. I understand that. But we ought to do right till the stars fall. Do right to the last call. Do right when no one else is standing by me. Hey, uh, a survey I read recently taken among high school seniors. This was a few years ago. They were asked if a final exam determined whether you would pass or fail or whether you would graduate or not and you knew if you didn't cheat, you would fail, would you cheat? 85% said they would. And don't you judge these high school seniors because you probably was one at the same time and you'd probably say, yeah, I probably would have too. Get out of high school. But here's the problem with that. In not many years, those seniors will be our leaders. What if they continue that? Man, the, you want to find the biggest crooks and cheaters in America. Go to Washington. Where did that start? Did it start as soon as they got elected? No. That started a long time ago. When they did not, they did that which was easy, but not that which was right. They violated their own conscience. Hey, here's the third thing about that is he, sh he was shaped by the crowd. The crowd said, put Jesus to death, so he did. And we live in a world where everybody's doing it. If, if you're a parent and you have teenagers this morning, more than likely you've heard that a time or two. Mom, everybody's doing it. But let me tell you, in a slogan in my mama's house when I was growing up, here's her two things. She said, everybody's not doing it because you're not doing it. And she said, and if they are, it doesn't make it right. But here's the message. The message is this. The decision that, not only the decision that Pilate made, but the discoveries that Pilate made. See, Pilate is not an example for us to follow. Nobody in their preaching says, hey, let's, let's be like Pilate. Never heard that 
No little kid down at the, uh, at the elementary campus or, or education. No, no Sunday school teacher or group leader saying, hey, kids, now be like Pontius Pilate. Nobody's ever said that. Why? Because he's not an example to follow. He's not the one in the, the story. He's not the hero in the story. And there's some truths, though, that I want you to see about Pilate's life. Jesus did not give up on Pilate. Matter of fact, if you go to John 18, verses 33 through verse 38, Pilate asked, as I said earlier, he asked seven questions. And guess what? Jesus responds to all of them. What was Jesus doing? He was opening his heart and inviting Pilate in. Let me just say this, church. God still loves you. He will not give up on you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. By the way, our nation needs to hear that. You say, Pastor, if you had 30 seconds, if you had 15 seconds to speak to the entire world, what would you say? God loves you. Jesus saves. Why? They need to hear that. There's people that believe they have violated and went past God, and God doesn't love them anymore. God doesn't care about them anymore. There's nothing they can do to be saved. My friend, that is a lie. God still loves you. He loved the man that was about to put him to death. He loved the man that was going to send him off to be crucified. And he loved him. Here's the second thing about, we find that about Jesus and, and Pilate. The second thing is it takes courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to do the right thing. Pilate didn't do the right thing, but it, it, it required courage. I was a part of a Bible quiz a Bible quiz team when I was a youth pastor. We used to take our teens um, and we would train them uh, and then we would, uh, we would participate in a multi-church event and it was called the Bible Quiz Bowl. And kids would come and they would uh, memorize scripture. They would, uh, they would, we would call, it was almost like sword drill too. They would have a couple judges, about four or five judges and then someone would call out something. They would turn to that reference and you could get a couple strikes but on the third strike, if you messed up, you had to sit down in someone else. And so whichever church, it was just a fun time of fellowship, training kids about the Bible in a fun way. There was this one boy, I'll never forget it, probably 14, 15 years old. He had his Bible like this, and you were not allowed to, you've seen that kind of in the sword drills. How many of you did sword drills growing up and you, were, you wanted those thumb Bibles? You all know what I'm talking about? I wanted a thumb Bible. Mom, I want one of them thumb index Bibles because I wanted to be the fastest. I could look at that and say right, right there and I stand up already there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But he didn't have that. You weren't allowed to have that, but he had a Bible and you were not allowed to place your thumb in, in, in a, a certain place or it was cheating. And, and so anyway, uh, I, I, I can't remember exactly what was called out. It was something like crucifixion and they had to turn to the reference in the Bible that was that was. Uh, that was referring to, I think Matthew 27 was what they were wanting. And he mistakenly had his Bible open or his thumb on John 18. And so nobody's seen him. He, he just had it there and, and he kind of had his Bible like that, but he moved his thumb over. And so when the girl got it, he raised his hand and they said, what do you mean, young man? And he said, I, I cheated. And they said, what? He said, yeah, he said, when you were calling, he said, I, I, I uh, automatically put my thumb on a place and started opening my Bible before you said go, and I cheated. And so he admittedly, when, when, he, when he did that, they said, well, son, you, if, you, if you've cheated, we didn't see you, but if you say you did, then you're excused. He went and sat over there. And I thought, 
because he had his head down. You could tell he was embarrassed. But nobody called him out on it. He called him out on it. I'm talking about there was a lot of people. I went over to the side and sat beside him, and I put my arm around him and said, Son, I didn't see anything, but if you felt like you did, then you did the right thing. You did the right thing. How easy would it have been for him to just continue? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Path, come on, man. Okay. It probably wasn't. But to him, it was a huge deal. He did what was right. Here's the last thing. When it comes to Jesus, you cannot shift responsibility. See, it's your responsibility. Listen, church, don't miss this. It's your responsibility what you do with Jesus. What you do with Jesus. Jesus is standing at the heart's door. Standing and knocking and knocking before. This is the question you face once more. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? There's a song, I don't know who wrote this song, but I I heard it recently and I liked it. It's called Guilty of Loving Me. Listen to the words of this. In In the hall of judgment, they thought they'd sealed his fate, but holy destiny was calling him to that hill far away. Pilate said, Behold the man, I find no fault in him. If they could have just understood he was guilty of loving them. There was no fault found in him. There was no evil found. Yet God's precious holy lamb was nailed to a tree. If tender mercy was his only crime, so that grace could be yours and mine, then Jesus was guilty of loving me. He was tried, convicted, and sentenced to die for a crime that no one understood. Yet they shouted, Crucify! Pilate, one shall go free, so which man will it be? They cried, Jesus has to die. He was guilty of loving me. There was no fault found in him. There was no evil found. Yet God's precious holy lamb was nailed to a tree. If tender mercy was his only crime so that grace could be yours and mine, then Jesus was guilty of loving me. Pilate washed his hands and said, Take him and crucify him. I'm through with him. Pilate, you're not through with him. Philippians says, chapter 2 says, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Pilate, you're not through with him. Herod, you're not through with him. Religious crowd, you're not through with him. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Pilate gave his final verdict concerning Jesus and that verdict stands forever. So what's our challenge today? No matter how religious you are today, no matter how you choose to wash your hands, we all are sinners and guilty of sin in which the Lamb of God died on the cross. And Jesus stands in the courtroom of your heart this morning. 
What will you decide? What will be your verdict? I want you to know that His blood is either on your hands, guilty, or His blood covers your heart, guilty but forgiven. Which do you decide?